Coming up today on Grow in Grace. Pilot, I want you to watch him because he's slowly caving in to the popular opinion. And that's a danger for all of us, that we are moved by what other people think more than what God thinks. There's a proverb, 29, 25, the fear of man, a man's face, what, the way they look at you is a stumbling block, it's a snare. And Pilate is caught in this dilemma. He has a big problem on his hands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. sacrifice for everyone faith hope love and harmony i said let this world know me by your love there has been exactly one perfect person who ever lived on the earth the lord jesus christ and today on grow in grace this perfect man will be sentenced to a painful death on the cross we're studying the gospel of john and today we'll enter chapter 19 Jesus went to the cross obediently because he loved us. Keep that in mind today as we go to Pastor Ed Ray for today's message. The lengthy trial of Jesus is about to continue as he heads back to Pilate's courtroom. And we witness Pilate cave to the desires of the people instead of standing up for what was right for this innocent man. John chapter 19. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. And they said to him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I may find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to him, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid. And he went again into the Praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? <laughs> Good question. But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. And from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Then Pilate therefore heard them saying this. He brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold your king. But they cried out away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, 
we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. And then they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Peter wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews. But he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you for recording for us the story that we might sense all that's going on here and that you might speak to us and that we might all consider that question, what shall we do with Jesus? Send your Holy Spirit to teach us now, we ask in Jesus' name, change us so that when we leave this place, we will be different. We ask that in Jesus' name and all of God's people agreed by saying, amen. amen. Jesus has been arrested the night before in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's already had various trials before Annas, Caiaphas, Pilate once, and he's back again now, and Herod. The Jewish leaders were demanding that Pilate would put him to death, as we know. This is a very familiar story for most of us. There's a danger there, because we think we know the story, we kind of only halfway listen. So that's my challenge. Say a little quick prayer. Lord, show me something new that I might grasp all that's going on here before heaven and all of the earth. So Pilate has been questioning Jesus inside his judgment hall called the Praetorium, and the Jews refused to come in. So it's a little confusing as you read it. They didn't want to go into a Gentile place during Passover because they wanted to take the Passover meal. And so Pilate goes in to talk to Jesus away from them and then comes out and talks to them. We'll see that Pilate is really struggling. He's trying to be honest, and he is the judge and the jury and the governor all of Israel at this time. He was that from about 26 to 36, so we're in around 32, 33 A.D., and he is the one who must make the decision because the Jews no longer had the power of capital punishment. So Pilate, after listening to the arguments back and forth, decides to do what the Romans do. They scourge criminal to exact out of him a testimony, a confession. Scourging in itself was a horrible thing, but the intent was to get him to confess his guilt. Now that would work with a normal criminal. In this case, Jesus is not guilty of anything, so he had nothing he could confess, so he didn't say anything during the scourging. So Pilate took Jesus, scourged him, and there's a law, Makoth 31 it's called in the Talmud, that says that a Jew can't be struck more than 40 times less one, so 39 is the maximum time. But then it describes how you're supposed to do it. it. said the body was to be laid bare and the victim flogged by a man 
with a leather scourge standing on a stone. He was standing on the stone so that the blows came down with greater force. And he was smites, must smite with one hand and all his might. That's in the law. So the punishment was sometimes so severe that the criminal would bleed to death. And if not, the, the back, and I don't want to be too graphic, you work in a hospital too long, you just say stuff. The entrails of the victim were exposed to infection. So if you weren't killed while you were being scourged, you often died days or weeks later from the infection. And then the soldiers, verse 2, twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. Why thorns? I believe John is trying to get us to look back to the Garden of Eden. That after Adam and Eve's sin, there entered into the earth thorns and thistles. It says that those were put on his head to remind us that sin came into the world to the sins of a man. And he had a purple robe on him. That, that's an interesting, it's a mocking actually, because only kings or senators or Caesars wore purple. Purple was a very expensive dye. It came from mollusks, from shells, snails. And you can see there's several different species there and different amounts of purple. And when we get to the book of Acts, we'll see that there was a lady named Lydia who was a seller of purple, that that's all she did. And so you had to crush these shells and then exact the color from it. And that's what made it so expensive. So he's got a purple robe on and they're trying to mock him in verse 3 and they said hail king of the Jews see you've got this purple on and you've got a crown on and they struck him with their hands and, and literally the Greek is imperfect tense which means that they kept on hitting him over and over again Mark tells us in Mark 15 19 then they struck him on the head with the reed and spat on him and bowing the knee they worshiped him they mocked him Isaiah 52 said just as many were astonished at you for his vestige was marred here's the prophecy of the Messiah that his vestige was marred more than any man in this form more than the sons of men you couldn't recognize him in other words then Pilate went out again and said to them out to the crowd, Behold, I bring him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. According to Luke 23, this is the third time that Jesus was presented, and we find that Pilate is saying, Hey, he's innocent. And then when Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Eke homo, which in Latin it's translated, behold the man here, and that, that's close, but we would say something today like, now that's a man, or a man's man. That's a man I respect. That's what Pilate was saying, which of course inflamed the crowds even worse. Why was he so impressed with Jesus? Because Pilate had probably seen hundreds, if not more, of men scourged. And the point I mentioned at the beginning was to get you to confess to what you'd done. And one writer said that you begin to confess everything from the time you were five years old on. Everything, every piece of candy you stole, etc. But Jesus didn't say a thing. And so Pilate is sympathetic. This is a man. This is a real man. Bruised, bloodied, swollen, thorns, blood. I've never seen such a man, Pilate is saying. 
You're listening to Pastor Ed Ray on Growing Grace. And we're in the middle of his message based on John 19. Verse 6, therefore, the chief priests and the officers saw him and they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify. That's not enough. The, the scourging isn't enough. And Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him for I find no fault in him. The religious officials are demanding this crucifixion at this point. They're going to inflame the whole crowd, but they are the ones who are really pushing. Now, Pilate, I want you to watch him because he's slowly caving in to the popular opinion. And that's a danger for all of us, that we are moved by what other people think more than what God thinks. There's a proverb, 29, 25, the fear of man, a man's face, what, the way they look at you is a stumbling block, it's a snare. And Pilate is caught in this dilemma. He has a big problem on his hands. And the Jews answered, because he doesn't want to crucify him, we have a law, according to our law, he ought to die because he is continually, literally, he is continually making himself out as the son of God. Now, this is their real problem. That's what they're struggling with. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. He was claiming to be God, which, of course, inflamed them, except they missed that one possibility that he really was God. And so the real charge from the Jewish leadership is that he claims to be God. And I run into people all the time that try and tell me on my front porch on a Saturday morning that Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, that's not what the Jewish leadership is saying. He kept saying it over and over again, that he is God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that, he was more afraid. It increases his concern for what the people are thinking. Now, there's a backstory here. We know from Josephus, the historian, that Pilate is in trouble with the Roman Senate. He's been appointed to be the governor there. The, they call it the prefect, the one in front. But he's in trouble because he's done, already made a couple of missteps. And the first one was to take the Roman shields that had the emperor's face on it and put them on the temple mount in the middle of the temple. And the Jews all rioted because that was bringing an image. You'll have no other gods before me. And they saw any image as something that they were willing to die for. Huge riot, and many of them were killed. So that gets back to Rome. The Senate says, that's one, Pilate. <laughs> Don't mess up again. Well, just a few weeks later, he finished what was an aqueduct that went on for a couple of years to get it built that brought water to the city because the city was growing. And to get more water, he had to build this aqueduct. Well, he had run out of money. So he sent his, some of his Roman legionnaires in civilian clothes, break into the temple one night and steal the money from the treasury. Didn't go over real good with the Jews. They rioted again. A bunch of them get killed. Word gets to Rome. The Senate says, that's two, and he's in trouble now because here the Jewish leadership is saying, we want you to do this. And if he's caught on this in the horns of a dilemma, we would say today, because no matter what he does, if he follows his conscience, this man's innocent, he's in trouble with the Jews and they bring it to Rome. And if it goes the other way, he's already claimed to be king 
And that's saying we don't see Caesar as king, and Pilate won't do anything about a guy that claims to be greater than Caesar. So what's he going to do? He is stuck. Jesus answered, you could have no power at all. Did I do 10? 10. Then Pilate said, are you not speaking to me? Because Jesus didn't respond. Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Pilate's response to the silence by Jesus is to pull rank. You know, Rome is proud of its law. And he's saying, I have the power to release you. You better be nice to me. Speak nice to me. That was a real problem. He had the authority to do it, to crucify him, but didn't have what it took to do either one. So he's stuck here. He's in a a pickle, you might say. He was all talk and no action. I love Jesus' reply. Verse 11, Jesus said, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has a greater sin. The only power you have is what Father God has allowing you to do. Those who delivered, those who captured me in the Gethsemane and brought me here, their sin is even greater than yours. Now, I don't think that really helps Pilate a lot, but not real comforting when you think about it. But there's a interesting play that's going on here. Now, some people have taken this verse and said, it's contributed to the hatred of Jews in the world all the way up through Nazi Germany, and it's happening again, anti-Semitism in the United States. They said, well, you know, it's the Jews who crucified Jesus. That's not true. It's not even the Romans that crucified Jesus. A.W. Tozer said it best to me. He said, who caused Jesus' death? Who crucified Jesus? He said, I did. And so did you. And so did we all. It's because of our own sin that God had to come and take our place and die on our behalf. So Pilate heard part of what Jesus said, but he didn't quite get all of it. But it convicted him. Verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend, Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Now, Caesar's in trouble, we already talked about, in the Senate. But there's more to this than meets the eye. Because he was governor, he had on his right hand a signet ring. And the signet ring is Amicus Caesarius. And friend of Caesar is what it said. They picked up on that, and that's what they're saying. You're not Caesar's friend. Well, every member of the Senate had that ring. There it is. And we know if you're in law or attorney or something, an amicus is someone who comes in as a friend of the court and and leads a deposition, who, who leads some proof. Well, this is another problem for Pilate because... The friend of Caesar is him. Only now they're saying, you're no friend of Caesar if you're letting another king come in. Pilate therefore heard that saying. He brought Jesus out, sat down in the judgment seat where he makes a decision. 
in a place called the pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, those of you, I see many of you here who have been to Israel with us, you saw that. That's the floor, that's the stone, some of the stones that are in the proctorium. And that is a game, something like chess, that they played with two dice and they moved around and it's called the king. And so that's what the prisoners, well, all the prisoners was in front of the court, that's what the soldiers, the guards were doing to amuse themselves. So you can see today it's about 10 foot below the pavement outside in Jerusalem because the city's been you know, destroyed so many times, it's just lower. But there it is. Walk in and look at it and know you're standing in the spot where the creator of the universe stood. Verse 14. Now it was preparation day, the day before the Passover, or the day of that leads up to the Passover, because the Passover starts when three stars appear in the sky. And about the sixth hour, this is Roman time, and the day begins at midnight, so this is 6 a.m. Jesus will be crucified at 9 a.m. Mark tells us it's the third hour, but that's because he's using Jewish time. And Jewish time starts from dawn, but this is Roman time. And so it's six in the morning. And then he uses that term, behold your king. Again, calling Jesus their king. It's caught in. And we'll see as we get to the end that Pilate believes this. He's been convinced now that Jesus is more than just a carpenter's son from Nazareth up in the north. But they cried out, verse 15, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest made a very political statement. We have no king but Caesar. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Well, you want Caesar now, but you're going to be complaining about him very soon. In fact, so much so that Titus Vespasian, the general, would come down and destroy the city of Jerusalem within 40 years from what we're looking at right now. So it was convenient for them to say, we have no king but Caesar. It's not what they believed. Delivered him, Jesus, to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. Pilate knew what was right. That was to release him. If a man could take scourging without crying, without confessing to a crime. He didn't have a crime is the way that Pilate's looking at this. And bearing his cross, he went out to the place called a skull, which in Hebrew was Golgotha. He bore his own instrument of death. God was in complete control, and all of this was a part of his plan to rescue us. Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're going through the Gospel of John together from start to finish. For a CD copy of today's message, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find an archive of past radio programs there too which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. You know, it takes a team to bring Grow and Grace to you. 
and we look to our listeners to help make all of this possible. We have an exciting resource to tell you about. It's True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. After serving the Lord as a pastor for many years, Francis began to wonder if Christianity really made a difference in people's lives. True spirituality, you could say, is the result of his effort to re-examine his faith. And if you want to discover what true spirituality looks like in everyday life, this is the book for you. We'll send you a copy when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And we want to hear from you. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, whether it's a word of encouragement, a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your.